0: We've been going over the book of Luke and primarily taking just a snapshot and a look into the book of Luke. And I'm so thankful for uh, Elder Jonathan Jonathan sharing last week the temptations of Christ. I think this book really speaks to our heart how God had used one man to write it, to provide a convincing argument, to share maybe with his friend or his leader, Theopolis, that would not only impact Theophilus' life, but would impact the whole world that we would see the accounts of jesus christ that we would understand the importance of god sending his very best so that we would not be lost but that we would come into the saving knowledge of jesus christ and so i'm thankful to share this with you and so we're going to continue that a little bit as we look a little bit more at the second portion of the book of luke the fourth chapter Uh, with the scripture reference, verse 17 through 19 being our reference for today. But uh, as you're turning there, I have a question for you. Have you ever thought about when you should do something? What I mean is uh, the, the timing of it, because there's a right time for everything. Maybe it's when you got on your first bike, you know, maybe you were three, four, five, there was a timing of it. Uh, and if, if uh, any of you were like me, you wanted to sometime do things before you were ready. Anybody ever been there? Uh, I know one of the times, they, uh, you know, there's a timing for driving a car. And I remember as a young person, my uh, mom's friend was going to teach me to uh, drive. And uh, I was so excited and, and, uh, and was uh, hurry up and, and anxious about that timing, uh, being able to get behind that wheel. And so he allowed me to get behind the wheel and he sat in the passenger side and then he forgot something. He said, oh, wait a minute. And he went and ran into the house and I'm sitting there behind the wheel. And so I'm sitting there behind the wheel and he's gone in the house and I'm impatient. So before I know it, my impatientness gets the better of me and I put that car from park into drive. And I start, I can do this. You ever been there? I can do this. I'm old enough. What they mean trying to hold me back? And so I started driving and I'm I'm going down the road and I I see out of my peripheral vision. He runs out of the house and he's running as fast as he can and he gets to the car. I stop and he just looks at me and he says, get out. (laughs) That was the end of my driving that day. Because I got ahead of the timing. Maybe it's even in your first job or doing some things that you know that maybe you need to wait to the right time. See, I love what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, the third chapter, verse 4. He says, it's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. See, there's a timing for everything in life. And God has a timing and a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. And so I'd like to share some of that with you today with the title of the message, The Acceptable Year. The Acceptable Year. In the book of Luke, the fourth chapter, verse 17 through 19, it reads, would you read with me? And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written... The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year. And as we take a moment to just kind of think about this and meditate on what's happening at this time, it's important to understand what is transpiring for Jesus at this moment. See, Jesus just spent 40 days in a treacherous wilderness, like we heard last week, being tempted by the devil. There's a heavy temptation and a, and a tiredness and a weariness that had come upon Jesus. And he's coming out of this wilderness... And on this particular Sabbath or Sunday or this day of worship, Jesus begins his public ministry by proclaiming the release of captives and the oppressed. He just came out of temptation. He goes to the synagogue. The preacher gives him a book. He opens it up and he reads from the book of Isaiah. And he says these words of deliverance, these words of release, these words of setting the captive free, healing the brokenhearted, preaching deliverance. And then he goes down to Luke chapter 4, 21, and Luke pens and describes what Jesus does at that point. See, he sits down, and the eyes are on him, and everybody's looking at him. And in his hearer's presence, he states the prophecy of Isaiah. And these words have been fulfilled in your hearing to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The favor of the Lord has come. And so let me just take a moment, because this is huge, this is big, this is just like out of this world thing that's going on here. See, first and foremost, it's important that we understand what fulfill or fulfillment means. It's a state and it's a process or an act by which situations come to be to a complete end, whether ultimately good or bad. See, in the Greek, the fulfillment word is pleros, which means to feel or in other words, to fill up. That half a cup's not enough. It needs to be filled full to the top. That Jesus came not to just halfway do it. Jesus came not to just halfway make it work, not to just be half-hearted, but to fill it up to the top. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And then in the Hebrew, the word, Mala or telos to complete to bring to an end that it's finished when he goes to the cross that's the words that jesus will speak he says it is finished so it's important that we understand what is this acceptable year see jesus is saying the prophecy or that which was foretold by isaiah has been completed brought to an end, even brought to its fullness. And so what's he talking about? What is this acceptable year that he says here in this passage? Or in context, we could say this acceptable time, that there's a timing, that there's a right timing for everything. That you know, as we look at scriptures, we know to God there's nothing new under the sun. God knows all, he sees all. But God is such a time-on-time God. Would you agree? That he knows exactly what we need when we need it. He knows exactly the time and the place for us to be blessed beyond measure. And so as we look at this description of the acceptable year, I hear you. The acceptable year of the Lord, as stated in Isaiah 61, Or the favorable year of the Lord is another meaning of it. The favorable year, that we have favor with God. Because as we look back at the backdrop of this story of coming into the book of Luke and the gospel of Jesus Christ, we understand that the people had turned their heart away from God over and over and over again. So much so that God had made many statements. He had said in in the early days in the book of Genesis, my spirit will not be with man forever. He made other statements of that his heart was broken because of the rebellion of mankind. And even so, we see prior to this that there was a 400 years of silence where God just became quiet. That the heart of man had become so hard-hearted that they had stopped listening, and so God became quiet. And so we see this statement That comes out of Isaiah that Jesus reads the acceptable year, the favorable year of the the Lord, the year of the Lord's favor. See, it's not a literal, literal year, but rather a space of time that is characterized by God's grace, his redemption, and deliverance. That God has a grace for each and every one of us. He has a time of deliverance. He wants to draw us back to him. But he knows that our heart and our mind needs to be in the right place. Because we can hear without hearing. We can see without seeing. The teens, we talked about that today, how, you, how stuff can come in one ear and go out the other. How you can hear Pastor Jeff moving his lips, but nothing's going in. It's so important that we listen to what God is saying. So in Isaiah, the acceptable year of the Lord refers to God's restoration of his people from Babylonian captivity. See, what had happened in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah was called to be a prophet, to speak to the people of Israel, to remind them that God's not pleased, to give them warning that if they keep rebelling, they keep turning away from God, that their sin will cause them to go into captivity. And so the nation of Israel being uh, on the verge of being divided, eventually is conquered. The northern kingdom is conquered by the Babylonians and the southern kingdom, uh, excuse me, by the Syrians. and the southern kingdom is captured by the Babylonians. And so we see that Isaiah is called to tell them, turn back to the Lord. If you don't turn back to the Lord, there's a a captivity that's coming. So understanding the significance of the acceptable year is so vitally important. Although it's not a particular time and God waited 400 years to get Israel to a point that they would hear, when we look back To the book of Luke, the first chapter, verse 17, we see Luke is writing about John the Baptist. And he's saying these words, And he shall go before him with the spirit and power of Isaiah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. To prepare them. He told them, make straight your gates. Get ready. Have listening ears. Turn your heart towards him. Because it's not that God's not speaking, it's if are we listening? And so he says, prepare, make ready the people. Because the acceptable year is coming. See, with people, there's a right timing. A right timing for people to be ready to walk out of darkness. See, in the first chapter, Zechariah spoke of that. He spoke of that, that light coming as they sat in darkness. That people's heart would be ready to repent, to make straight the way. But you know, there was also a timing for Jesus. A certain time and the way of doing things that, that, that Jesus submitted himself to. We see in the passage that they tried to get Jesus to do things ahead of time and uh, get ahead of God's plan. And Jesus, Jesus responded, my time is not so. It's not my time yet. And so Jesus has a certain prerequisite for the work that he's doing. One of them is that he would be born of a woman. See, we don't think about that being a prerequisite, but for Jesus to be fully God and fully man, he needed to be born of a woman. So that he would be acquainted with all our sorrows. So that he would understand all of our afflictions that he would be able to be tempted just like we were. So he was born of a woman, fully man. He lived in this fallen world. He was baptized, anointed, as we see, first by water with John the Baptist, then by the Holy Spirit from God himself that came and descended like the form of a dove. And then he went into that wilderness to be tempted just like you and I. Not one day, not two days, 40. He became hungry and tired. And I don't know about you, but when I'm hungry and tired, things are a little bit tougher for me to resist, for me to get through. And this is when Satan came and tried to taunt him a little bit. If you say who you are, throw yourself off that high place. If you obey me. And Jesus responded with the word of God over and over again, although he was tempted yet without sin. See, a timeless God seeing the past and the present and the future plans. He worked it out for our good. So what did Isaiah prophesy about? It's important that we take a moment to take a look at that. What was he, he kind of laying out that Jesus would fulfill, that Jesus would be the fulfillment of all that God promised See, we understand that Jesus was speaking from Isaiah 61, but it's so important that we go a little bit before that and look at Isaiah 60. So I'd actually turn with me to Isaiah 60, verse 18 through 20, so that we can take a closer look at the prophecy of Isaiah. See, understanding that the Israelites were either going into captivity or were in captivity at this time, they were in bondage, we see these words in Isaiah 60, verse 18 through 20. Violence shall no more be heard in thy land, wasting nor destruction within thy borders. But thou shalt call thy walls salvation and thy gates praise. The sun shall be no more thy light by day, Neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee, but the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light, and thy God thy glory. Thy sun shall no more go down, neither shall thy moon withdraw itself, for the Lord shall be thine everlasting light, and the days of thy mourning shall be ended. Thy people also shall be all righteous. They shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the word of my hand, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. A little one shall become a thousand, and a small one a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in his name. There's a mouthful there. There's a lot to unpack there. That Isaiah is speaking for God Almighty, and he's sharing. that God wants to cease the violence. He wants to bring salvation. But I love that part where it says, But the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting life. You remember when we started this Looky Luke and we talked about Luke, the first chapter, and the message was the light of life? And Zachariah, who had been muted and he couldn't talk, and then once he had believed and truly understood that God wanted to bless him, that as his mouth was loosed, In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 79, he says, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. See, he was talking about the coming of the Lord there, that he would do that, that he would be an everlasting light, that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And that he would give light to them that sit in darkness. But then also, as we look back down a little bit more in Isaiah 60, verse 20, we see, it says, and the days of thy mourning shall be ended. See, sometimes I don't think we talk enough about how much God's heart grieves. Over the afflictions, over the suffering, over the sin of this world, that causes mourning, that causes a breaking. So the Bible says in John ten ten, the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I come that you might have life, and life more abundantly. And so we see these days of thy mourning shall be ended. Remember in Luke chapter 2 that the angel came to the shepherds, that he was giving good tidings. The angel Gabriel was giving good news. And then we see Simeon as Jesus is now being born, that joy has come into the world, and they take him after circumcision to be dedicated in the temple. And Simeon... And by the Holy Spirit goes to this temple because he's been waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's been waiting for the comfort of Israel, that the comforter would come, that there would be joy, unspeakable joy, that there wouldn't be mourning, there wouldn't be sadness, but there would be a gladness of joy. So at the birth of Jesus and his dedication, Simeon said, I can depart in peace. For my eyes have seen thy salvation. I've seen your comfort. There's no need to mourn anymore. Because you changed my weeping into joy. That weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Because of Christ. And then I love what verse 21 in Isaiah 60 starts out with. It says, thy people also shall be all righteous. Wait a minute now. That don't even sound like that could, that, that's even possible. All righteous? Wait a minute. Maybe some righteous. Maybe a you righteous, maybe a little righteous, but all righteous, you can't have some. It's either all or none. Jesus said there is none good but God. See, he was giving us a a picture. That word good means perfectly righteous. He was saying there is none perfectly righteous but God. But God has a plan to make all righteous. See, God sent his only begotten Son that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That he would be regenerated, that he would come from death into life, and that he would be the righteousness of Christ. Do you know? And everything that we could probably look at and say, I've messed up here, 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 and here. When God looks at you, after you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, he looks at you as perfectly righteous. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are the righteousness of Christ. See, he makes all righteousness because of Christ. And so as we take a moment to just reflect on Luke, the fourth chapter, verse 21 again, see, Jesus could say these words because he had done everything that God required of him. He is the Messiah. He is the Holy One. And he says these words as he sits down. This day is his scripture fulfilled in your ears. Not just because he was the Messiah and the one that God had sent to die for all of mankind's sins, but also because the foretelling by Isaiah meant there would be a clearly defined way and jesus says i am the way the truth and the life no man comes to the father but by me so why would he come think about this jesus is he's in this synagogue he's just spent 40 days being tempted by the devil He goes now, he's officially starting his ministry. And over and over in this passage, we read things that he's saying about preaching. See, Jesus was a preacher. Sometimes we don't think about, we think about him as Lord, we think about him as Savior, but Jesus was preaching. He was preaching, and what he wanted so much for them to hear He said, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, the favor of the Lord, that he loved you and I so much that he sent Jesus to make all righteous, to heal the brokenhearted, to break the chains of this world, to cause light to come out of darkness. It's so important. He said, I want you to know that God loves you so much that he set up a time and a place that you would hear the good news, that you would hear that he loves you, that he never will forsake you, that he loves you so much that he was willing to die for you. And so we see this played out in Isaiah 61, verse 2 and 3. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. To proclaim the favor of the Lord. And the day of vengeance of our God. That he's taking vengeance over sin and death. He's taking vengeance over the devil. To comfort all that mourn, That Jesus is the comfort of Israel and he's the comfort of us. He's the consolation to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. See, saints of God that's talking about you. That there is a mourning even in the body. That just as this world is mourning and groaning, the saints of God are afflicted, and there's a moaning, and God understands. He knows exactly where you are. I know I love to quote Andre Crouch, but it's just a, such a good quoting. If I never had a test or trial, I wouldn't know that God could solve it. To give unto them beauty for ashes. Hello, somebody. Everybody ever been there? The all of joy for mourning The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. See, if some of you are going through a spirit of heaviness right now, God's setting you up for a garment of praise. That as he walks with you, doesn't mean he's going to pull you out of every situation, and he talks with you and he reminds you that you're his own. That that spirit of heaviness will come off. Would fall to the ground because there's a garment of praise being put on. And Lord, you've been so good. You've seen me through it all. Through it all, I've learned to depend upon Your name. Through it all, I've learned to trust in You. Through it all, You are a good, good God. That they might be called. Trees of righteousness. Woo-hoo-hoo. So, I don't know about you, but a tree grows. <laughs> Trees of righteousness. When somebody pulls that leaf, that's a leaf of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. See, it starts with Him. He plants the righteousness on the inside of us. That he might be glorified, that he would get the glory. Not us. We can't save ourselves. Not of works, least any man should boast, but it is a gift of God. It's a gift. So Jesus took these steps. He allowed himself to be born of a woman. He knew that there was an appointed time. He spent 30 years just waiting, learning, and growing. The Bible says he grew in stature in wisdom and the understanding of God and his plan and purpose. He knew that there was a place that Nazareth would be the starting point. In this very chapter, he talks about not welcoming his own country. He knew that there would be some affliction, that there would be some trial. He allowed himself to be baptized. He told John, "Suffer it to be so. The Lord came with the Holy Spirit and baptized him with the Holy Spirit and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. So you gotta do something to be well pleased for God to say well pleased. And so he was obedient. He knew the right time. He didn't get ahead of God. He was willing to suffer for all of mankind. So what is the acceptable year? Jesus' text from Isaiah combines, he actually combines Isaiah 61 and Isaiah 58. He gives a declaration of the year of jubilee, and he gives a statement from an acceptable fast. So let me explain that a little bit. The year of Jubilee is where, after 50 years, they would reset, allow those that were in captivity to be set free, those who had lost their land to be given, restored back to them. And it would be a, a year of rest and worship and just trusting the Lord. And then this, he he, kind of speaks from what's an acceptable fast. So I believe Jesus is saying this, that let's look at it through God's eyes. That God has a favorable time for each and every one of us. He has an acceptable fast that he is giving of himself. And so this is what it is to preach good news To the poor, to release those that are captive, to give sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, this is what's acceptable. And Jesus preached forgiveness, but he preached more than forgiveness, he preached freedom. And transformation that God wanted to set us free and transform our lives. So here are the key points or takeaway from this acceptable year. Jesus came to reset the order of our lives. Do you know that? If you hold on to the order of your lives, it will But if you let Jesus reset like the jubilee, there will be joy for ashes. There will be blessings that you don't have room enough to receive. The year of jubilee, which came every 50 years, was a year full of releasing people from their debts releasing all slaves, and returning property to whom it owned. Leviticus 25, verse 10, talks about this. But God also instituted the year of Jubilee for as a foreshadowing for his future work on the cross. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, he relieves us all of our spiritual debts and our slavery to sin. He relieves us of it. We are freed from both and can commune with our heavenly father forever. And we can commune with one another. When we are set free, we are free to be in relationship with God. To be in relationship with Jesus. Jesus. And then just like that jubilee he wants us to rest in him see Jesus knows the burdens of this world but see he said those words come unto me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest for your soul he said my yoke is easy and my burden is light my wife was reading and she shared a little bit with a couple of ladies yesterday how a yoke and most of the time they take the older ox and they put the yoke tight around his neck because this older ox is experienced he's went through some stuff he kind of knows how to carry the weight and the yoke on the younger ox is a little bit looser Because he's not carrying all the the weight the older ox is. But it's loose to help him learn how to follow the older ox. It's just enough so he can just walk and step with him. And Jesus so desires that we walk and step with him. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He'll carry it for us. He asks us to walk with him. He invites us to follow him, to trust him and lean not to our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him and he will direct our path. So the question is, are you willing to wait on God's appointed time in everything? First in salvation, but in every aspect of our life. Don't get ahead of God. Walk with him. Let, his, let him be your acceptable year. Let his favor be upon you. See, in summary, we see back again in Luke 4, verse 19, Jesus preached the acceptable year of the Lord, the favor of the Lord, the nowness of his grace and mercy, and the understanding that today is the day of salvation. See, this is, this is no mistake that you're here today. There's no happenstance that God made and fashioned and put this together for you to be here. Amen. That God has a timing for everything. And his soul desire that we would all come unto him. Come unto him for salvation, but also come unto him to be led in the way of righteousness each and every day 2nd Corinthians 6 reminds us of this very point for he saith, in verse 2 I have heard thee in a time accepted and in the day of salvation have I secured thee behold now is the accepted time behold now is the day of salvation your acceptable year. Your day of salvation is right now. Jesus was sitting in that chair. He said those words to him. All that you've been longing for, all that you've been hoping for, the weariness that you've gone through, the incompleteness that feels like There's something missing. The seeking. Jesus says, I'm here to feel it. I'm here to give you all the answers. I'm here for you to know that God hasn't forgotten about you. That he loves you with an undying love. And that he's calling you to him. favor of the Lord is upon you. Would you accept him? Accept him for salvation. Accept him for obedience to follow him all of your days. and I guarantee you you'll never regret it because he's just that good of a God.